Adam Schefter Podcast. It's Conference Championship Week, and we'll be joined by the man that is waiting for everybody in Miami, the great Dolphins Hall of Fame quarterback Dan Marino, to talk about what's ahead for the Super Bowl teams that advance to his city. And we'll be joined by Christy and Denny LaFleur, who become the latest set of parents to have two sons squaring off against each other in a conference championship game. Christy and Denny LaFleur, the parents of the 49ers passing game coordinator Mike LaFleur and the Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. And we'll be joined by the ESPN analytics guru Evan Kaplan for an insightful breakdown of the conference championship games. Before we get to them, I want to remind everyone that if you like this podcast, you'll also like the First Draft Podcast with Mel Kuyper Jr. and Tom McShay. We're 100 days away from the draft, and they have everything you need to know. Download and subscribe to First Draft Podcast and the Adam Schefter Podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. But before we get to Dan Marino and the LaFleurs and Evan Kaplan, first a word from Vivid Seats. We all love a night out whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on our favorite team. With the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, you can attend the concert or show of your choice and earn credit towards your next live event. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app to make things even better. Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. All you need to do is use the Vivid Seats app to purchase tickets and start earning today, go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code ESPN25 for 10% off your next order. That's promo code ESPN25. And one man who won't need tickets for the Super Bowl, the unofficial mayor of Miami, Dan Marino. Uh, Joining us now, Hall of Fame quarterback, the great Dan Marino, who is actually on the host committee for this year's Super Bowl Miami. Dan, thank you for joining us. I'd like you to tell the listeners what people can expect from a Super Bowl in Miami this year, a city you know as well as anybody. Well, first of all, Adam, it's great to be on the show. I appreciate that. And uh, to, to bring up Miami in the Super Bowls, you know, it's the uh, 11th year for Miami uh, to host the Super Bowl, which is a record for any NFL city. And and for me personally, it's always excited because, the you know, the community and the fans, like, really enjoy that experience. And um, there's always quite a few things that are going on. And I, I think there's no better place for a Super Bowl in the world than, than Miami. You know, and I've been to quite a few here that have been here. And uh, I think we're all really excited about it. And, you know, there's a couple parties that I'll be doing, a couple parties that you and I may be doing together. There's a lot of things going on. It's always exciting and uh, uh, looking forward to it. Why do you say no better place to have a Super Bowl? Why is that? Because I could stay home and go to the game. <laughs> that is the best. No, no, that's a joke. That's a joke. Well, that, it's not hey, really a joke. Home field advantage help. is big, Dan. That's a big deal. Oh here. man, you you ain't kidding. It's really big. It's big. It gives you an opportunity to do a lot more, also. But uh, just because of the weather, the South Florida beautiful weather, the beaches, uh, yeah. and uh, the proximity, I guess, the stadium with you know the Hard Rock and and then South Beach and Fort Lauderdale Beach. I mean, it's uh, 
fairly easy way to get around to and uh, just uh, just a great spot because the weather, the atmosphere, just it's an international also location, which is great. Wait, are there any parties at the Marino household this year? There probably won't be. There probably <laughs> won't be, yeah, because, you know, I'll usually, usually in this case, I'll be working a lot, so uh, my wife won't be throwing any parties. Uh, let me ask you this question. I'm going to spend a week in Miami for the Super Bowl. Give mm-hmm. me the one or two restaurants or places that I must eat at while I'm there. Wow. Um, that's a good question. There's so many great places to eat at. I mean, I, and I, I'm a little biased at times. If you're in Fort Lauderdale, there's a, a guy that's been a dear friend of mine that I've worked with many years, Anthony, uh, Anthony Bruno. He has a place called Runway 84, and there's also some Anthony Pizza places that he has had uh, that are outstanding. Um, you know, also another sports bar guy that I played with, uh, Bo Camper. He got Bo's on the beach. He got a bunch of sports bars down there that are really fun places to go. South Beach, you got to hit Joe Stone Crabs. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the the one must if you're if you're around. I mean, that place is just outstanding. I love Stone Crabs, and uh, Joe's is a place that you have to go, but you got to know somebody to get in there. It's not easy. <laughs> well, I, I, maybe they I'll might just... have to call you. I, give me a call, Adam. I'll try to help you out. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. I appreciate that. If I'm going, <laughs> if I can find the time, and there is no party at the Marino household this year, I will be texting you about Joe, Stan, Joe Stone Crabs, and I appreciate that very, very much. Now, you spent 17 NFL seasons all at the Dolphins. I'm curious mm-hmm. if it ever got to a point where you came close or ever envisioned yourself playing with another city. I read over the weekend in the LA Times that Troy Aikman said that he nearly finished his career elsewhere. I think it was the Chargers, if I'm not mistaken. Did it ever was there ever a situation where you could have finished your career somewhere else other than Miami? Um, yeah, there's no doubt, uh, Adam. After um, my last year, I became a free agent. Uh, similar with like Tom is now, I guess his contract's up. My contract was up. So I could have, uh, you know, there was a couple teams that were interested. One was the Minnesota Vikings mm. at that time. And then uh, also the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Cower called me about coming up there. And, um, so yes, I had, I had other opportunities. Um, and it was one of those things where it was very intriguing. It really was. And, and it's a, it's, you know, when you think about it, it's what you do your whole life and you've done your whole life uh, since you're a little kid. And, and it's hard to just say, hey, I'm going to give this up. Uh, but for me, I think it really came down to, you know, I was injured a little bit that year. I missed like six games with a neck injury and, um, you know, talked with the doctors a little bit. And um, they felt like that that could happen again if I kept playing. And also the fact that I played 17 years for the Dolphins and it was an incredible career. And it was one of those things that I, I felt like I wanted to do it, but it just didn't feel completely right. And I think if it doesn't feel completely right, you probably shouldn't do it. So that's why I probably didn't go to another team. The idea of you back in Pittsburgh, that would have been so cool. <laughs> that would have been cool, yeah. Oh, that would have been awesome. Can you imagine what Tom Brady is going to go through this offseason when faced with that dilemma situation scenario with the idea potentially that he could wind up playing for another place well that's you know that's the tough part of this game you know sometimes you reach a spot where you got to you got to make a tough decision you know either on your career or the coach on someone else's career you know you never know what the circumstances are and you know tom deserves the right to make decision any way he wants to and whatever it may be it's going to be the right one for him because you know he's played so long, he's been so incredibly, he's played so incredible at a high level 
winning all the Super Bowls. So he, you know, that's really, you know, it's going to be up to Tom, and that's there's not an easy decision. Believe me, I, I went through it. It's hard. I know he's called around to some people, I think, and asked some advice. If he were to call you, what would you say to him about his decision? I'd tell him just, uh, just to uh, whatever your heart tells you, make you know, make the right decision. It's it's really it's up to him. I mean, there's no. There's nobody can tell Tom Brady what Tom Brady should do. Tom Brady's got to make his own decision, you know, and even if it's advice, still it's, uh, you know, he's a guy that deserves the right to do what he wants to do. You also would be a good sounding board for the quarterbacks in this year's draft, and I know you don't want to give advice to Tom Brady, but you were the sixth quarterback drafted in the famed 1983 draft in the first round. What advice would you give to upcoming prospects who would fall in the draft? Um, you know, I remember, uh, when that happened and, and, uh, I remember my dad saying, look, if you were drafted number five or if you're drafted number 25, I mean, your dream was to be an NFL player, still picked in the first round, just go out and prove, you know, the player that you are and you have the chance to be playing in the NFL. And no matter what the circumstances are, you know, that, that still is a fact And wherever you go, you work your butt off to be the best player you can be no matter, you know, what the circumstances are, you know, and I know sometimes, and then what ends up happening, you know, you, if, if you're a good enough player, it's going to show no matter what the circumstances are, whether you're drafted in the first round, second round, fifth round, sixth round. See, you were Aaron Rodgers before Aaron Rodgers. It just wasn't televised back then. It wasn't televised. No, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. <laughs> because yeah. if that, I don't if... know when was Aaron. I don't even remember when he was like uh, in the twenties, right? Yeah, yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers went like 24, if I'm not mistaken. And, okay. And, and so, if the draft were tele- – maybe it was televised back in 83, but it wasn't televised. It was back. televised, but they didn't have the players. They didn't have us go to New York. Right, it, not the same way that it's televised today. Right, I was what? sitting at home on my couch, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's where you are. What would it have been like if there had been a camera on you during that draft? Um. It's hard to say. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I was a little, uh, at times, I was a little you know, shocked that I wasn't getting it picked at certain spots uh, because people had interviewed me and I had felt like I did well for them, you know, workouts and all that kind of stuff and watched film with them. But, you know, other than that, I mean, it's hard to remember because it's been a long yeah. time. But I, if the camera was on me, I'm, pro- I'm sure I would have been a little disappointed and showed it. <laughs> now, you've done some work with the Dolphins, Dan. What direction do you view this franchise being headed in right now? Um, I think it's, you know, very positive and everybody with our franchise is, you know, very excited about our future. And, and, uh, I think coach Flores has done a terrific job this year under the circumstances and, you know, the way, uh, this team has played, they played hard each and every week. And, you know, we had a chance to win a lot of games and we improved consistently, you know, as the year went on. So I would say it's an exciting future. And what do you see the future of this team being at the quarterback position? How would you assess that, Dan? Um, I think right now, you know, you got to love the way that you played. And, and as far as the future is concerned, you know, who knows? That could then go in different directions. You never know. But uh, but right now, we I, I, you have to love the way he played and, and the emotions he brings to you know to our team, to the sidelines, to the field. He's fun to watch. He is fun. He's oh. fun. Yes. And I think the guys really like him, too. He just seems like a regular guy, has no regard for his body when he's out there running around, will throw blocks, will throw himself in the way. 
Yeah, he brings a lot of juice. Let's put it that way. That's always a good. That's always a good thing. When you watch the game today, Dan, who's the quarterback who really gets your attention? Um, God, there's so many. You know, good young players now. Um, Lamar Jackson is just—he's like a unicorn. He's different than anybody you know has seen in a long time, and just uh, to play the way he plays and young kid and just a good kid and enthusiastic. Uh, he's been special this year. Um, Mahomes um, is something uh, fun to watch. I mean, that guy, the way he throws the ball and the way he's been able to, you know, step in there and do the things he's done, touchdown passes he's thrown, and, you know, he's going to have a chance to get that team to a Super Bowl one day. And he's uh, he's another young guy that's uh, really been a lot of fun to watch. You bring up Lamar Jackson. He's from your area, basically, not too far from where you are, right? Did you sure, have, sure. Did, did you have any knowledge of him while he was playing in high school, and do people ever come to you? Yeah, yeah. I remember a lot of people talking about him in high school, yes. And uh, and then going to Louisville, you know, watching him play there. Yeah, for sure. There was knowledge. And what did you observe back then, or what did you know about him back then? Um, well, from what I heard, it is been a great kid and just hard worker and, and uh, you know, great athlete. And, God, he won the Heisman Trophy, right? Am I wrong or am I right? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. he won the Heisman he Trophy. He won the Heisman Trophy, yeah, yeah. Sometimes i got to check myself. That's you know? all, yeah, listen, <laughs> <laughs> understandable. Yeah, yeah, but he's, uh, no, just that's that's what I've heard, great kid, and I got a chance to meet him a couple times, and I believe, you know, he is, and, uh, and just a heck of a player. When you met him, was there anything that stood out? Did he ask you for advice? I hate to keep coming back to that advice, like advice you could give to Brady, advice you could give to these quarterback draft prospects, advice maybe you gave to Lamar Jackson, but I guess people look at you with your 17 seasons and nine Pro Bowls and three All-Pros and NFL MVP in 84, and they would look to you for guidance. Well, you know, I haven't had a chance to talk to him that much. And when I did, you know, I, I, it, it was more or less just, you know, how you doing and that kind of thing. It wasn't really a lot about football, but, you know, you could tell that the kid was a great kid and he did not ask me for any advice and he didn't probably need any advice because he's playing on MVP level right now. So that's, you know, that's pretty special for him. Now you brought up parties, Dan, parties at the Super Bowl. What can you tell mm-hmm. me about your role with on-location experiences, which I think I'm doing something with you with that, right? I think you and I are actually uh, not that I know. I don't think I know. We're oh, hosting. you know? I think we're, yes, I know. I know you're coming to the Super Bowl. We're hosting. Uh, obviously, you're going to be there. I'll be there too. And we're hosting a, uh, a party at the Hard Rock. Which uh, exactly what time it starts, I don't know. But it's during the day, pre-game. It's just going to be a you know an experience, entertainment uh, parties. We'll have guys on stage hosting you know interview sessions, question and answer stuff. A lot of Miami restaurants, local restaurants, will be a part of that. Darius Rucker, my friend Darius, who is uh, just an incredible uh, singer and uh, halfway decent golfer, will be there for a live performance. Uh, a lot of NFL legends, Marcus Allen, Joe Theismann, some other guys that will be there. Uh, and it's just uh, it's going to be a fun day. Fun atmosphere for the Super Bowl pregame. You and I are going to do a thing together, and also all those other guys will be around. You have more information about this than I do. I'm very much looking forward to it now that you've laid it all out that way. Oh, That's cool. Great. You know why? Because I'm looking at it right here and I'm reading it off the paper. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you informing <laughs> no. me of the things that I'll be doing on that yeah, particular day. I, I Well, I think it's I, I think that's what we're supposed to be. Uh, or maybe we're not. Maybe we're both doing it at different times. But I thought we were doing something together. 
Well, uh, and is and and Darius Rucker only a half decent golfer? Half decent? Half decent golfer? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> How is Dan Marino's if, if golf get, game? If you get him, on, if you get him on the right day, he'll take your money. <laughs> so he's taking some money from you, huh? He has in the past, <laughs> sure, sure. But I got to give him too many shots. <laughs> How is your golf game? Uh, now it's not very good, but it's it's. I mean, I'm okay. I get out there, I can slap it around a little bit, do okay. Well, Dan, I really appreciate taking some time. We'll look forward to seeing you here shortly in Miami for the Super Bowl. It should be a great day. It should be a great week. And I really appreciate you joining us today and taking the time out of your schedule. No problem, Adam. You take care, man. Looking forward to seeing Don here. and uh, Everybody will enjoy their time in Miami. So there's the Hall of Fame quarterback, Dan Marino, with a preview of what's ahead in Miami. And before we get to the parents of Matt and Mike LaFleur, Christy and Denny LaFleur, First, a word from ZipRecruiter. It's a new year, and you want to keep growing your team. But you need the right tools to help keep your hiring streamlined and efficient. That's where ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP comes in. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Joining us now... The couple that will be extraordinarily busy and tormented this weekend, Christy and Denny LaFleur from Mount Pleasant, Michigan. If the name sounds familiar, it should. They are the parents of the Packers head coach, Matt LaFleur, and the 49ers passing game coordinator, Mike LaFleur. Christy, Denny, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. So how is this weekend going to work for you? What? How do you handle this? Who do you root for? Ah, oh, boy. There's been a uh, there's been a lot of motions going, you know, a lot of directions and all that. But uh, you you know what? At the end of the day, somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose, and and uh, we're just going to be hope for the best. I, I, I you know it's it's hard to say. It really is. You know, you actually there are very few people who know what they're going to feel after watching the game Sunday. But we know how you're going to feel. You're going to be exhilarated, you're going to feel exhilarated for the son who wins, and you're going to feel crushed and devastated for the son who loses, correct? Uh, that's probably how it is going to work, <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Now, are you automatically making plans to go to the Super Bowl? You just don't know whether you'll be wearing Packers or 49ers gear while you're there? Uh, yes, we are. We'll be, we will be going, and which one is represented We'll find out on Sunday after the we, game. We we have already made arrangements for the, you know, to go back to California. That's been a, I, I wonder how people do this and travel and red eye and all that. Well, we did the whole scheme. So um, we're getting, we're setting our plans to get back to California in a few days. And then, uh, and, and like Christy just said, uh, we'll be in, we'll be in Miami one way or another, dressed one way or another. So uh, we're looking forward to it. So, so who gets you the tickets for this game? Does Matt get you the tickets? Like, he get, does the head coach get better tickets than the passing game coordinator, or does the passing game coordinator, who's the home team, get better tickets than the head coach of the opposing team? 
Either or. <laughs> I mean, our, we, we're not sure if our daughter-in-law is going yet. She's still uh, on the fence, uh, uh, Brienne. Um, that's that's I, Matt's wife, right? That's Matt's wife. Okay. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I believe when this is all said and done, she is going to be there because it is such a big deal. So she has tickets uh, really, really quite close to where Lauren is. So uh, either or, we, we go wherever. And Lauren is Mike's wife. Lauren is Mike's wife, yeah. yes. So how many LaFleurs are we expecting at Sunday's NFC Championship game? Well, it'll just we just have the two sons. Yep. And it'll be uh, Denny and myself and... Um, my mom is still alive. She's 94. Wow. And the boys would love her to come. And actually, she's in, in very good health. But it's just very, very hard uh, for her to travel. Plus, she um, she can hardly stand watching it. So she's going to stay home in her apartment. So it'll just be uh, Jenny and myself going. Um, and hopefully our daughter-in-law, Bree, and yep. uh, the two grandsons will be there as well. Did you have any idea... Denny, that this could happen, this matchup could happen, and that you and Christy would be in the position that you're now in? If you told me at the beginning of the season, absolutely not. It just, uh, but as the, as the season progressed, especially after the game we had earlier with them, you know, and then they turned around. It's been a lot of work with the Green Bay Packers, but it, it is hard to even put in words what what our thoughts were and did did we believe yeah we we believed it could happen but uh you know we we needed a lot of uh, different breaks and, and a lot of things that had to fall in place and now we're hey now we're back there so you know for the for the two boys and and the two football programs it should be a heck of a war <laughs> i'm hoping it is bottom line is as i was saying to Brian Matt's wife i said you know, they're both there, and one team is, is going to win and one team is going to lose, but we need to celebrate what these accomplishments are. So it's a celebration for the LaFleurs no matter what happens on Sunday to a certain degree. That's a good way of looking at it, uh, Christy. Yeah, it really, it really is. To get to where they're at is difficult, and they got there, and you gotta, you, you got to celebrate the accomplishments that they've had, and somebody is going to lose. But they still need to celebrate what has been accomplished. I mean, we, a few years ago, when both of them were coaching the Atlanta Falcons, we went to the Super Bowl. And, you know, at the end of the day, one team's going to win and one team's going to lose. And it's an absolute horrible feeling. And all of a sudden, there's like, well, 31 teams. Even when you get there and you get that one shot to get there, when you lose, it's like it's almost in a way – Nothing was accomplished, but like my wife was saying, they have accomplished, and the team has accomplished a lot, and and that's that's what's most important. And for those who don't know, both were coaches, assistant coaches for the Falcons. Matt and Mike were on that staff together, correct? Yes. Right. And so there can't be anything as devastating as that loss that you'll go through again. I I can't imagine that, especially when you're going to have somebody here emerge as the victor on Sunday. When we sat at the uh, game when they were with Atlanta uh, in the fourth quarter, we just kind of looked at each other and just kind of, you know, felt kind of sick. 
but there's nothing that can be done. That's what happened, and still was a great accomplishment to get to the Super Bowl. A lot of people would give their eye teeth to get there. That, that can't be forgotten. What was it like meeting with your boys after that game? It was tough. It was, it, it, it was, you know, it was they, were, they were, I mean, like any coach, when you lose a game that you might have thought you had earlier, it's tough, but you know, the, the sun comes up the next day and you move on, and you, you, you mourn. And that's okay to do that for the day, but then you got to get up and move forward. So moving ahead to this Sunday, what colors will you guys wear in the stands on Sunday? I will be neutral. You Actually, know, I'm going to be in gold. They both are gold. I have a tough time. I might have a couple layers because I might be walking in one locker room, and I don't want to do anything that's going to be offensive to anybody. So, you know, there might be a, a sweater or something in the outside, but on the inside might be, a, you know, a shirt that says the other team. And I'll probably leave it at that, and then whichever locker room I walk, I'll just take it off. And then, yeah, they'll they'll understand. Uh, and I won't walk in the locker room. I don't mean that. I, you know, we'll see yeah. we'll see both of the uh, the guys after the game, and and we'll be with the wives and the family. So that's kind of how we're we're going to do it. And you know, it's it's going to be uh, this is going to be the, the the toughest one. This will be one of the you know the first game was okay. It's this one here because it's for the marbles. <laughs> yeah. One has got to go and. It's just gonna you gotta sit there and go, man, oh man, you know one's leaving with this in a tough situation and the other one is ecstatic. But I think in one or two days after that they'll be you know what? We'll all be there no matter what. And it isn't just gonna be whichever team wins, the whichever team loses, that's our family will be there and including the the guys that are coaches and, and so um we'll all be there to support the one team in the final game. What was it like when these two teams met earlier this season for you, were you at that game, and what did you experience then? We were at that game. It, it was hard because you just wanted to see a really competitive game because somebody, again, is going to win and somebody's going to lose, but you wanted it to be very competitive, and um, it was hard. It, that that was hard to, to see that, but I want it to be a competitive game. You know, I, I, I was saying earlier in regards to that game was we couldn't. Performance was enough to ex- expectations, and and by losing, you know, watched Green Bay and walk away, and I says, well, here's the deal. We're both former coaches and all that, all through high school. I coached them quite a few years in college, but don't let that team beat you the next week. <laughs> and that's the neat thing about the professional sports is those guys that go to work, they, they do a pretty good job. But, hey, you just got to let that go learn from your mistakes and move on and and I think that's uh that is what has happened with both teams cuz both teams have had losses during the season they didn't expect and a lot of great wins and uh you just got you got to keep moving forward and got to have a short memory and for those who for those who don't know uh Denny was a linebacker for Central Michigan you helped that team win a 74 division 2 national championship uh Christy right was a cheerleader, um, and she's coached cheerleading, right? Am I correct about that? Yes, yes, uh, and I coached uh, I coached that, and I coached uh, girls' track as well. Yeah, and Denny, you also were assistant coach at Central Michigan for two decades and coaching and teaching oh, at Mount Pleasant I, High, right? I was there for a long time, and, and, uh, and then I had an opportunity uh, to become the head football coach at the high school, and it was just it was that time where, you know, tough to be in one place for a lot of years and but it turned out great for us and and i was also a uh, 
I also coached girls track, but I was like the JV coach. I coached the middle school girls track. My wife was at the varsity level, so it worked out great. Matt and Mike grew up around teachers, coaches. How much influence do you think you had in the style that they use today? I'll let her answer this one. This is this, this is interesting. No, I, well, I'm sure you you know. I guess they do say we are a product of our environment, so that's what our kids have known. Mm-hmm. Um, they've known education and coaching. But uh, my dad was a high school football coach in Kalamazoo, Michigan. They thought their grandpa was pretty special. So I, he had a lot of influence on the boys as well uh, with the whole football thing because we never pushed that on them. I would never push a, a child to participate in athletics if they did not want to. That's got to be something that you want to do and have a passion for. And they did. But I think, you know, it wasn't just Benny and myself, but it was uh, my dad as well um, being a football coach. And he he lived and breathed football. So they were around passionate people. When did you have a sense that it could turn out to be what it has. When did you get the sense that these guys would go on to have the type of NFL coaching careers that they put together at such a young age already? You know, it really started with uh, with an opportunity for Matt when he was uh, connected to uh, Kyle Shanahan at uh, Houston, Texas. Um, he came in as a quality control coach and kind of just worked it from there. But... Um, you know, I think when he had his first opportunity, the Washington Redskins, when, uh, you know, Mike Shanahan took over and as the head football coach and, and Matt was, brought, you know, brought along. And Matt, you know, there were certain things that happened after so many years. And then Mike got involved with the Cleveland Browns, with Kyle. And so it's kind of a long story. But at the same time, as you started to watch this, um, you could see they – there's a lot of hours that they worked. It's obvious about that. But um, – they work for good people. You know, I feel kind of connected to you guys because I started covering the Denver Broncos for the Rocky Mountain News in 1990. And one of the very first people that I got to know on that beat was Mike Shanahan. And so Mike had two children, Kyle and Crystal. And I and I remember Kyle and Crystal as little kids growing up all around. I remember them being in the press box, getting food before the games, Kyle being a bowl boy for Mike. And so I, I to this day, feel like Mike, help train me to understand the game the way that I do and to help mold me in the sport. So he helped mold me and he helped mold both your boys as well. So therefore we have a connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. It's kind of funny. Have you ever spent much time with Mike Shanahan himself as well? Just the occasional times. I mean, I I actually had an opportunity to uh, see him after the ball game at at San Francisco and uh, had a chance to talk to him outside the locker or, or outside the uh, uh, the offices, the football offices, and yeah. had a nice chat with him. And and uh, it was it was uh, it was pretty interesting because uh, even he said something. He goes, "Do you know uh, you guys might be the first family in the National Football League to have two kids coaching, one coaching on a Saturday, the other coaching on a Sunday." And you going to both games. It used to be it wasn't that way. They'd play all the games on on one day and things like that. It was you know, how could you be at two places at once? We had an opportunity to go to California, watch the game, and then we red eyed the um, you wow. know, later on after the game and we flew back and, and got in a car at five in the morning in Chicago O'Hare and 
took off and went up north to Green Bay and, and watched the game on Sunday. And Coach Shanahan, Mike, said something to us and said, you guys might be the, the first one in NFL history that have ever done this. And I goes, well, I don't know. And he goes, he looks at me, he goes, I think I'm right. And he probably is. So. And what does that mean to you, the fact that you've got two sons squaring off in this game? One is a head coach, one is a passing game coordinator, and you might just be the first parents to have two sons coaching opposite each other in a conference championship game. What does that mean to you? Pretty special. We're fortunate and blessed. I mean, I, I, I could be wrong in this. I think this happened to the with the Harbaugh's. Oh, yeah, played. of course. Of course, no, they, okay. they coached against each other in the Super Bowl. We aren't the first as far as, uh, you know, family, um, but I think the Harbaugh's are the first. And I, I don't know um, if, if the Ryans ever did, you know, Rex Ryan and his brother. That might have been another situation, too. It would be interesting to look at that. But, um, no, it's it's very, very special. And when you sit there, it, 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 you still look down. You, you look out in the field and you see oh, what's going on. And who would have believed that, hey, we've been retired for four and a half years and we still get to follow a sport that we're very passionate about. And it's, we pinch ourselves. You know, you sit in the stands and you, or you might be in a suite at Green Bay or but you're sitting in the stands in San Francisco. And to us, every, ta- every day, we don't take it for granted. We're very, we're very lucky to be able to do those things or a lot of people can't do. We have that opportunity. What would you say to parents who are raising their children to become coaches what advice would you give as parents who now have two coaches at a high level in the nfl hard work and trust if they work hard and earn the trust of the people they're working for good things can happen and that's really what's happened to both of them is is when you would hear somebody else that's coached for quite a, you know quite a while in the national football league and you'd hear one thing they'd say they belong here you know they're good they're they're smart they're hard, hard workers. They treat other people right. And when you hear those type of things from some of the veteran coaches telling you that, that's a neat that's a neat that's a neat quality. And so that's what I that's what my wife and I would say is you follow whatever dreams you want, but if you're gonna do it then Do it the right way. Do it. Don't cut corners. There's no easy way. You know, you, you gotta you got to sweat. You got to work hard. You got to spend many hours away. You got to sacrifice a lot of times away from your family, but then do it if that's what you want to do. And and uh, don't don't do it the easy way. You do it the hard way and learn from it. Christy and Denny, I thank you for the time. Before I let you go, I wanted to see if I get a prediction from each of you for Sunday night's NFC Championship game. Who's going to win the game? I really don't know. I really don't. But whoever wins that game, we want them to go to the Super Bowl and win that game. Yeah, I, I I agree with her. I want to see our conference, yeah. no matter what, one of those two teams win a Super Bowl. Hey, just for the record, I'm not trying to get anything out of you other than a nice, simple conversation, <laughs> little tips for people about how to raise their little young boys to become the great coaches that Matt and Mike have become. That's all. That's all. I'm not trying to get anything from you. Yeah. <laughs> and before I let you go, are you sleeping at Mike's house the night before, or do you get a hotel room where the Packers are staying where Matt is? No, actually... We'll be at Mike's. I have a, this funny feeling. I have to ask Matt and Mike. I, I don't know for this game they will see each other until the game. I, I think this one is so big that I have that just that sneaky feeling that they're going to stay away from each other. Well, Christy, 
And Denny, let me be the first to congratulate you on having a son in the Super Bowl this year. Thank well, you. thank you well, so much. You are, you are the first one. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Enjoy the game on Sunday, and I really appreciate you taking the time to join me today and to explain to our listeners what it's like to have two sons coaching the NFC Championship game. Well, thank you so much. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you, Christine. Denny. We'll be in touch. Good luck. Enjoy the game. Okay, thank, thank you. Cap hit. <laughs> All right, joining us now, the ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan. Evan, with conference championship games finally here. I guess best thing we could do probably is just break down the two games, starting with the AFC game first. What do we got there? Yeah, let's do it. Plenty of angles to cover with, with both of these games. And one thing that just kind of stung out, stuck out to me when you look at the, the four quarterbacks as a whole is you've got Aaron Rodgers, who's kind of the veteran out of this group, who's mm-hmm. been to a Super Bowl before, who's won an MVP. Then you've got the two kind of up-and-comers looking for their first Super Bowl appearance in Patrick Mahomes and Jimmy Garoppolo. And then you've got Ryan Tannehill, who nobody expected to be here and I think is one of the most fascinating stories of this weekend. The fact that a guy who wasn't starting at the beginning of the season, who was picked up as a backup from the Dolphins to be behind Marcus Mariota, is now has the Titans in the AFC Championship. And, and we'll get to Derrick Henry and what he's done yeah. is impressive. But you look at since Ryan Tannehill made his first start for the Titans in Week 7, He's combined for 30 passing and rushing touchdowns. That's second most in the NFL. It's one behind the MVP, Lamar Jackson. So while Tannehill hasn't thrown the ball as much in this postseason, he had two touchdown passes and a rushing touchdown against the Ravens. I don't think he can discount what he's meant to that team. I think people are forgetting how good he's been. Yes, absolutely. And I also think what's interesting, it occurred to me while watching these playoffs, I'm like, wow, the Miami Dolphins had a lot of talent. Mm -hmm. Ryan Tannehill. Damian Williams, yep. Kenyon Drake. Mm-hmm. We saw the emergence of Devontae Parker. We saw Jay Ajayi win a Super Bowl with the Eagles. Right. Jordan Phillips in Buffalo, one of the top interior defensive linemen in all of football, who will be a free agent this offseason. The Dolphins had more talent than we realized, and a they lot did. of it is showing up this postseason. They did. This weekend. It's interesting when that when that comes out. And, and look, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, down in Miami. Brian Flores certainly, I think, did a, a better job than a lot of people thought would happen down there. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with them going forward. And, and you, Adam, you also talk about a lot of their coaches are now getting their assistants are being uh, elevated for better jobs other places. With, with, you look at a few uh, cases with the Giants. So coaching and player talent down there in Miami, where we'll be for Super Bowl 54. Uh, you, you look back at the the Titans and I, we mentioned Derrick Henry before. What he's done in this postseason is historic. He has the most rush yards by any running back in a two game span in playoff history. He in his first four career postseason games the most rushing yards ever. And when you start digging down into what's going to decide that game Sunday at Arrowhead Stadium, it's going to be whether the Chiefs can stop Derrick Henry. He rushed for 188 yards against them earlier this season when they beat Kansas City in Week Ten. And I think that's going to be one of the keys, obviously, whether they can stop Derrick Henry, who has really been, I mean, Ryan Tannehill completed seven passes against the Ravens. It, it's been all about Henry, and the key for the Titans has always been if they can get a lead, and then they can play their style game. What about the Chiefs? What stands out to you about them, Evan? I think Patrick Mahomes kind of making this climb is really interesting to me. You've got last season with 50 touchdown passes, winning an NFL MVP, and and the incredible performance he had last week against the Texans. And along with uh, a few of my colleagues, Vince Massey and Brian Beasley, we looked at something that was really kind of fun, that the Chiefs are, are kind of like some of those old Warriors teams, where once they get on a run, it's just 
It's just like a, a an avalanche coming downhill and impossible to stop. 41 straight points against the Texans. You look at throughout the season, six different times, they scored a run of 20 straight points, 23 straight against the wow. Patriots, 31 against the Raiders, 30 against the Broncos, 23 against the Ravens, 28 again against the Raiders earlier in the season. So I just think that's fascinating when you talk about football that doesn't always have those prolonged runs like you have in the NBA, but the Chiefs of that team, and, and I think we all just felt it watching that game this past Sunday afternoon against the Texans. It was almost like once Nicole Hardman had that kickoff return and they scored that first touchdown to make oh, it yeah. 24-7, it was, they were still down 17 points, but I think, I think most people watching that game felt that the Chiefs were winning this game. Yeah. So, you, you could feel it, right? And, you could. And, and I guess the point of your point is that no lead is ever safe against no, Kansas City. No, it's not. It's not. And then I think the other thing when it comes to this game is you, Andy Reid trying to get back to the Super Bowl. He's got the most wins ever by a head coach who's never won a Super Bowl or an NFL championship. Well, this is probably, we, we talked about it last week, right, about this maybe being their best chance. And I think that this is probably a chance for Andy to get back to the Super Bowl with a team that their only loss since Patrick Mahomes came back from his knee injury was against the Titans back in Week 10. A game that they led 29-20 midway through the fourth quarter. Ryan Tannehill led a great late comeback to win that game. And that's what makes it fun about this weekend, in addition to the fact that it's the conference championships and it speaks for themselves. Both of these games are rematches. So there's really a lot to dig into in terms of what happened in the earlier matchup and how we can project that ahead to what uh, what happens on Sunday. I know we got three great young coaches in Mike Vrabel mm-hmm. and Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan, but it's hard not to feel some sentiment to want to see Andy Reid win a Super Bowl for the first time in his career. I think that would be just a fitting tribute to a man who has given his life literally to the sport of football. I would agree with you. I would agree. And and as we talk about head coaches, and I know you had uh, the LaFleur's parents on, which is great, and and you'd look at the head coaches in the other matchup with Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan. An interesting note here that this is only the third coaching matchup in the Super Bowl era in the playoffs between coaches who are 40 years old or younger. The the other two matchups, pretty good names. Chuck Knoll and John Madden and Don Shula and John Madden. Wow. So that's the company that Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur will be in. Guys 40 years or younger leading their teams uh, deep in the playoffs. And there's so many parallels with this game, Adam. I don't even know where we start. Uh, but with the head coaches, you talked about the fact that they started together. I, I think that's just, that just such a fun kind of note and angle to take into this game. The fact that these two guys back in 2008, up, getting close to 15 years ago with the Texans, and now they're coaching on opposite sidelines in the NFC Championship. Right, they, they, you know, and you forget, as Denny and Christie pointed out, they were coaching teammates mm-hmm. on the Atlanta team that lost the Super Bowl. Exactly. Yeah, Everyone forgets that Matt LaFleur was on that staff. Everyone, the Kyle Shanahan being the offensive coordinator, but they were, like you said, they were in Houston, they were in Washington, with obviously with Mike Shanahan, and then in Atlanta as well. And now they're here. So what do you make of that matchup, the NFC Championship game, which follows the early AFC game? I think you have to start this one even more so than the Chiefs-Titans matchup. You have to go back to the first game between these teams in Week 12, which was total domination by the 49ers. It was 37-8. Aaron Rodgers threw for 104 yards, easily his fewest this season. And, and the 49ers defense really confused him throughout the game. He was sacked five times. He didn't complete a pass uh, more than 10 yards downfield. And the interesting matchup, and, and Rodgers and Richard Sherman have had a lot of interesting matchups in their career. 
So keep an eye on Sherman's always lining up on the same side of the defense. Mm-hmm. And Rodgers has, it, throughout their previous matchups, avoid throwing deep down that sideline. Now, I think the Packers offense has certainly evolved even since that Week 12 game and kind of become more of what I think Matt LaFleur and Rodgers envisioned together. But that 49ers defense, who we talked about last week, had struggled over the last half of the season. They got everyone back last week with Quan Alexander and D Ford. And we saw what type of performance they had against the Vikings. And I think the the real interesting chess match will be whether Rodgers and LaFleur can kind of fix a lot of the issues they had in that first matchup in Week 12, specifically with throwing the ball down the field and getting it more to their top playmakers, Devontae Adams, like they did in the divisional round. You know, you talked about Kansas City getting on these runs where they just bury an opponent. Mm-hmm. And that was what San Francisco did to Green Bay the first time these two teams met. They it did. just felt like... The game started going San Francisco's way, and San Francisco just took it to Green Bay and dominated the Packers that day. They did. They absolutely did. 37-8 speaks for itself. The The touchdown was kind of – it was in the middle of the game, but like you said, the game was already decided. And the other thing that I believe we talked about before that matchup is is just some of the kind of similarities that you, you look at with Jimmy Garoppolo and Aaron Rodgers, who both backed up legendary quarterbacks with Rodgers behind Favre. Garoppolo behind Brady. Uh, they both made their first start at 24 years old. Rodgers got to his Super Bowl in his sixth season, and now Jimmy Garoppolo is in his sixth season trying to get to his Super Bowl. And then the other thing, Aaron Rodgers goes kind of home to play this yep. game, grew up in Chico, California, which is about three and a half hours north of Levi Stadium. Four and five in his career against the 49ers, including one and three on the road against the Niners. So, there's, there's just so many great angles this game. And then the other thing, which we hit on last week, is this could come down to the pass rush again. The Zadaria Smith and Preston Smith, again, two more sacks for each of them against the Seahawks. And then on the other side, you've got Nick Bosa, D. Ford, Eric Armstead. That was one of my favorite notes from Divisional Weekend, Adam. The fact that all five first-round defensive linemen on the 49ers, they all had a sack. Mm, and they're going to need more of that against Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. So we'll see how that works out, right? They certainly will. Uh, Evan, appreciate the time. Enjoy the conference championship games, and we will be back for a Super Bowl preview after the results of this week. Thanks so much again. Thank you, Adam. And so there's the ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan, breaking down this weekend's conference championship games. Special thanks to him. Special thanks to the LaFleur parents, Christy and Denny LaFleur, who are making the trip to the Bay Area this weekend from Mount Pleasant, Michigan, where they live and raised both Mike LaFleur, the 49ers passing game coordinator, and Matt LaFleur, the Green Bay Packers head coach. And special thanks to the Hall of Famer, the great Miami Dolphin, Dan Marino, who will be hosting a party Super Bowl weekend, who knows all about the city that the Super Bowl will be in this year. So... That's the podcast this week. We'll be back again next week with another special edition looking ahead to the Super Bowl. And special thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Have a great week, everybody.